0: Okay. So, what an eventful week we had last week. <laughs> Guys, good job being so on top of things, so uh, flexible, so uh, really. Um, Just the people of God, you know, I see that like in Romans chapter 15, he says, I myself am convinced that you are full of goodness and able to instruct one another. And I saw that this past week as I was watching that Facebook page, I was like, oh my goodness, this is good. And so with that in mind. I want to just tell you that that was all planned. (laughs) No, that was all planned because specifically, no, it wasn't. But specifically what was planned was actually, Anthony was actually scheduled to speak this week. And so this week he is actually going to deliver The message he actually prepared. (laughs) The message he actually prepared. And so, those of you who do not know Anthony, Anthony is a man of God. Everybody say, man of God. Yes. See, now this is a good thing because you know there's somebody who's a man of God because he's not just new to you, but he's been a man of the community who's already been part of the church life. He's been serving, he's been worshiping with you, he's been teaching people, he's been loving people, he's been leading our men's group, he's been helping do outreach on the college campuses. He's been helping doing training for the next generation. And so with that in mind, would you welcome with all your hearts our pastoral intern, Anthony, come. <laughs>
1: Loudly. Does that work? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Great. <laughs> yes. Use a voice that God gave us. Okay. So we're going to continue our study uh, on the word of encouragement. Right, we've been in the Psalms last week, Psalm 90. And this week we're going to focus on Psalm 46. So if you have a Bible, old-fashioned style like me, or a holy glow from your phone or tablet, feel free to grab it out. <laughs> yep, it's good. Holy glow is just as good. Okay. <laughs> so our focus this week is really simple. Once, one sentence, I'll repeat it several times, but you can feel free to write it down be up on the screen. It says, we have a holy confidence when we trust God and run to him for safety, strength, and protection. So I'll say it again. We can have a holy confidence when we trust God and run to him, and run to him is the key, run to him for safety, strength, and protection. I broke up this message of three parts, partly because the psalm did it for me. You'll notice there's three salats, so it really broke it up easy for me. Uh, the first section we're going to focus on is God is our helper. Second section is God is our sustainer. And the third section, God is our protector. Okay? And I'll explain the Hebrew words. You're like, what is that up there? That's Hebrew, and I'll explain it when we get to that. It's really fun. I'm a geek. It's okay. We can geek out together, all right? So, first thing, before we jump into the psalm, I hope your kind of Bible's up. We're going to get into a little bit of history. How many of you guys love history? Yeah, check me. check checking in. It was on. Awesome. It says on. Awesome. I'll just keep talking, just ignore him, he's my friend. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so uh, history, so musical history. How many of you guys kind of studied that before? Maybe in school, class, something? love music history. Well, sometimes in the church we forget that the Psalms are history and they're music and it's good. And so I'm gonna teach you a little bit of Western culture sort of music history before we jump into the song. Okay, how many guys are familiar with the Reformation? The Reformation, the Protestant Reformation, there's this guy named Martin Luther, Kind of a monk guy, right? <laughs> Nailed a 95 thesis on the, on, the, on the door to the church, right? He's a big guy, right? Well, he had a favorite psalm. Psalm 46, if you could guess, is his favorite. Well, he ended up writing uh, an actual hymn himself, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. That psalm became pretty much the song of the Reformation. So if you look historically, based off of the psalm we're about to read, he wrote his own hymn. What's even more fascinating, if you dig a little bit deeper, because Psalm 46 is amazing, how many of you guys know Johann Sebastian Bach? right? Amazing, amazing guy. Well, he ended up writing a choral cantata off of Luther's hymn. Fantastic. So now this has infested our entire Western culture in the Protestant tradition. One more for you. Do you guys know Mozart? Yeah, Yeah, we love Mozart. Genius guy. I love him. (laughs) Crazy, right? Well, he also wrote uh, a quick motet on Psalm 46, the very first verse, which is where we're going to go. And so this has infested our culture. This psalm is very historical for the church. It's one that not only the Jews have used for millennia, but same with the church to stand on God's promises. In fact, it's my favorite psalm. Hence why we're preaching that Psalm 46. Okay. So now, we look up uh, <coughs> Psalm 46. You guys have your Bibles open? Mm-hmm. Okay, I want you guys to see the little title part. Okay, there's this little bracket part. There's the choir director, this little note. We kind of overlook because we just want to read the psalm. Right. Well, that's important. So in the Hebrew text, I want to teach you something. It's actually verse one, right? So verse two in the Hebrew text is our verse one. So in other words, that little piece that you see is scripture. It is God breathed. And so I ask myself a question. Well, why does God breathe? How can that teach me something? Well, there's two things I want to point out. So the Alamah, you guys hear according to Alamah? Well, that just simply means soprano. So somebody that's like higher voice. So the idea is when we read Psalm 46, it should be, I I can't do that. That's the idea. It should draw us upward to God. That's the point. That's how the music was originally designed to do. The second thing I want to point out is the Sons of Korah. Have you guys ever heard of the Sons of Korah before? Does anybody know who they are? Great, we got one scholar here. I did not. So I had to look them up. And what I found is amazing. So these guys are actually the ones who wrote Psalm 46, okay? They wrote it. Um, now, I want to explain kind of who they are. So, you remember the Exodus series that went through with Moses mm-hmm. and Aaron and all that? Well, it's actually a cousin to Moses and Aaron, the guy named Korah. Well, he's infamously known for something really bad. So, I'm like, why is this guy writing these Psalms? Something bad happened. Well, number 16, there's this, there's this incident that happens with Moses, and it happens with Aaron and Korah. See, God had already given instruction that the sons of Aaron would be to, to be the priests in the house of God. And, and uh, Korah said, no, we all can. Right, we're all holy. That offended the Lord, because the Lord's <laughs> command was otherwise. Check it. Let me see here. Oh, going to keep going. So it offended the Lord, and so there was a consequence for that. And so if we could put up number 16, I think, right up there. You can read it together. And so what happened to him because of his offense against the Lord, is Korah actually died. It's pretty bad. <laughs> and all of his friends, too. Like 14,000 of them? Oh my gosh, it's pretty bad. But what happened is the earth opened up and its mouth swallowed them up and their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. That sounds like a very bad day. How many of you agree that's a really bad day? Right, just, whoa, you like fall to your death, when it closes over and no way out. Ouch. That's what happened to Korah. But what I found is like, well, how can this, like, what's the sun thing going on? Well, later on, we actually read in scripture that the sons of Korah were spared. They were spared of this calamity because they did not participate with their father. They chose to go a different way. See a theme there? They chose to honor the Lord. And in fact, throughout the history of Israel, we see the sons of Korah playing a very prominent role within Israel, okay? They were, they were the choir masters. They were the people who came up with songs, hence writing the song, Psalm 46. They were the ones that did instruments. They were very professional, actually dynasty for centuries It was known that this family was serving the Lord. They couldn't serve as priests, but the Lord and his mercy allowed them to serve God and the things of God, even in the temple. Okay, that was powerful. One other thing I found. This is where it gets really cool. This is what blew me away. So, do you know one of the descendants of Korah? You guys know the prophet Samuel? Someone just hit you. Wow, come on. God's redemption is in the very first subtext of Psalm 46, that God redeemed the sons of Korah for generations with faithful over and over and over and over again until the prophet Samuel arose and spoke the word of God for decades. That is powerful. And what's even more powerful is that God can do that for us today. Just a subtext, powerful, that if you have a black stand in your family, maybe an uncle, father, mom, dad, great-grandfather did something and your family is known for something, God can redo that and redeem that and you and your family going yes. on can be different. Yes. In Jesus. Wow! And that's just the subtext! Yeah. you got to verse 1! Yeah. I was excited! Yeah. I hope you're excited! That's amazing! Are you guys not amazed? Like, wow! Okay, now we're actually going to start the message. <laughs> uh, so, let me... <laughs> So I want to say this. So another famous theologian. I think the Spurgeon quote we can probably find up there. Spurgeon. Yeah, how many guys know Spurgeon? Yeah. yeah, the Prince of Preachers. The guy who just ugh, straight at you. This is what he said about Psalm 46. He also loved this song. He said it's a song of holy confidence, OK? So as we're about to read it together, we're going to put the song on the screen. I want you to have in mind the sons of Korah, their entire family history, even the language of earthquakes and earth melting is within their own family line. It's personal to them. But I also want you to see that you can have a holy confidence in God for you today. Amen? Yes. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to read the psalm together. just like we did last week. I think it's really good to put it out there. I don't think my mic is working, is it? I'm just going. Okay. Great. Right. So together, all at once, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth, earth gives way, strength, though the, the mountains, mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, the though its waters, roar and foams, and, flows, and the mountains tremble, tremble at its swelling. Yep, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, the holy habitation of the Lord Most High. I messed that up. Verse 5. There is the river whose streams make glad the city of God And the Lord of the hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Salah. Now, so you guys know the word salah. It means to like pause contemplate. That. Yeah, that's what it means. So just pause and reflect. So that's why I broke up the message into those three breaks. It's pretty nice. You did it for me. did all the homework. So we're going to start with God is our helper. God is our helper. In verse 1. We see that it is God alone who is our place of safety. And it is him alone who gives us strength to endure the trials and tribulations and the troubles of this world. All right, we're gonna go for it. It's kind of hard to talk it. Right? Oh, you gonna take it from me? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, let's, let's go with this. Okay, I'm gonna try and freestyle this, it's gonna be great. No worries. No, I'm on. I walk. Sorry, okay, I can't it. It's my personality. I love to walk.
0: <gasps> there it is. So as I was saying, God
1: is our helper. So in the Hebrew, this word is Azer. Can you say that with me? Azer. So it's E Z E R transliterated into English. Azer. It's not complicated. It's real simple. But what it basically means is it's a very specific type of help. So, like you're walking down the road. And you like, trip? someone helps you up. It's not that type of help. It is a very specific, divine, miracle-orienting help when there's no options left on the table, when there's nothing that can be done, there's no human intervention, and all things seem impossible. That is the type of helper that God is. Woo! That's amazing. That's an amazing helper. Second thing I want you to notice is in the verse, the word always. Always. In the Hebrew text, it's emphatic. So there's a specific word there. I don't have the time to geek out on you. But just know it's emphatic, like with triple exclamation point. Always. So every single time, God will respond to you as a helper if you call out to him. It's not sometimes, maybe, could, should, tomorrow. It's immediately, always, he will respond to you. And every time. Always. Isn't that good news? Yeah. That's great. So God is our helper always. Okay? And so God is trustworthy and reliable, and we can be confident that when we call out in distress, we will always be found by him. Amen? So one of the greatest prayers, so this is really cool, really practical, break it down for you. God is our helper. One of the greatest prayers you can find. Lord, please help me. How many of you guys prayed that? Prayed that this week, this morning with kids? (laughs) Whatever I did. it's, it's, so sometimes we think it's very trivial. Like, okay, God, just please help me. And we just go on with our day. You no, know, this is a very beautiful prayer. God loves that prayer. Do you know how much he loves it? He loves it so much that he named a name after him as helper. That's how much he loves it. So whenever you need help, it's a beautiful thing to just cry out to God, even if you have no other words to express, but just help me. Help me, Lord. Help me. And he'll respond every single time. So in verse 2, Therefore, we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Hear me, church? You have nothing to fear. Why? Because no matter what type of trouble comes against us, we can still have confident trust in God to come through for us. Always. Always, always, always. And so even if you feel like right now that your life is kind of toppling, like in verse 3, the seas are rising up, the torrent of the waters, the mountains are trembling all around you, and you don't have a way out, God can respond to you today. You hear me? He can. This is very practical. It's not something that's distant in the past. This is today. Our God still does this for you today. He can become your helper. Okay? So I'm going to put up this up here too. You can put this in your notes. Whenever we give control over our situations to God, we will experience confidence and peace even if the mountains quake and fall into the seas around us. So we can still have confidence and peace. Amen? Okay, pull up my notes here. It's hard with a mic in this at the same time. It's gonna work, ah! So section two, we're getting to verse four to seven. God is now our sustainer. So right, we talked about God's our helper, he's our azer, but he's also our sustainer. So one of the things you need to understand is that there's talking about the city of God, that's Jerusalem. So how many of you guys kinda of heard of Jerusalem, maybe some you know, history with Israel and things like that? Well, one of the things you have to understand is that it is their special place. Special place. How many of you guys kind of meet with God and you kind of have a special place? Okay, can you identify, like, this is my spot. I know I go here and I just feel his presence and he just responds to me. It's my favorite place. Well, I kind of have one of those too. It's in Pennsylvania. And here in Chicago, it's in a closet. (laughs) But in Pennsylvania, it's in the woods, (laughs) which is great, next to a river. And I love that. And so this this is their special place. Jerusalem is their place where they meet with God. It's synonymous with God's presence. And so anytime scripture's really talking about Jerusalem, especially when we're singing about it in a psalm, it's referring to God's presence being with his people. And it's where they would go to meet, right? So you have the Day of Atonement, you have the sacrifices, you have all the festivals, you have all the feasts. It would take place in the central area, it would be around the temple in Jerusalem, okay? So this is the holy city where the Most High dwells, right? We're talking about in the verse, okay? So now I want you to notice something else. The river, it gladdens or delights the city of God. There's a special river that gladdens and delights to the city of God. It's very different than the torrent waters in verse 3. So I want you to see it's different than the world out there that comes against you. This water is gentle, it's peaceful, and ultimately brings life to sustain you through all of it. Okay. Now, if you want more study, so there's a lot of other end times eschatology type stuff here. We, we can't talk about it today. But if you want to, write down Revelation 22. It talks about a river out of Jerusalem. Or Ezekiel 47, prophetically prophesies that. Okay, so you can read that. But what I do want to focus on is a picture. I have a picture. Ha ha! You guys see that? So, all things stealing from Google is good. So, that's what I did. (laughs) 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 For for real, Uh, copyrighted. Uh, But so, it's, uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, it's from a news article back in 2004. This is the Pool of Siloam. Have any of you guys kind of heard that in the Bible before, maybe roughly? It's kind of obscure. But I wanted to kind of bring it to the surface today. So this pool, this is actually located just outside of the gates of Jerusalem. So just outside the wall. So not too far. Very, very close. Okay? So I want to tell you a story of why this was so important. So back in Isaiah 8, uh, you can see that they talk about this water. So it's basically a little spring, a little bubbling up. So if you see the topography, if you're good at science, you know, water table. Ooh, water goes lower. Well, this is kind of the lower part in Jerusalem so water would collect there naturally. It just was outside of the city gate at the time. okay? Now I'll talk to you about a king and this king and what he did with this with these streams of water. Have you guys heard of King Hezekiah? King Hezekiah? Okay so you guys know that, that after King Solomon died, the nation of Israel broke into two. He had the northern part, southern part. So the northern was called Israel, ten tribes. Southern was called Judah, two tribes, right? But Judah occupied Jerusalem most of the time, pretty much. And so at this time, Assyria had just taken over the northern kingdom. So Israel was no more. They were just wiped out by Assyria. And they were at the gates of Jerusalem. And King Hezekiah was reigning over Judah in Jerusalem at the time. Okay? Well, he gathered with his officials. And he did something really wise. Something really good. Okay? So if you have a water source outside of your city gate, and if you're going to be sieged, you won't have access to it, right? Who would? Your enemy. So what would he do? He decided to cover up the pool of Siloam, this water source. But he did something even wiser. So not only did he fill it in with dirt, cover it over, he dug a tunnel. He dug a tunnel from behind the city wall into the pool underground. So when Assyria came and besieged, guess what they had? Water. They had sustainment in the middle of the siege of Assyria. Now the story goes in the Bible that King Hezekiah eventually cried out to the Lord, right? He said, "God, please forgive us, show mercy. And guess what? If God's a help, what does He do? He helps. And what he did in that moment was send a big, mighty angel, angel of the Lord, killed 185,000 people. That's a massive army in one night, you hear me, God just wiped out the Assyrians with no hope of trying to take Jerusalem. And Hezekiah and the city of Jerusalem was saved. And so a lot of commentators and scholars, those researching this, point that this is a psalm attributed to that moment in history. That is powerful. So though the nations rage against the city of God where the Most High dwells, there is safety and sustainment in the midst of it all. Now, okay, that's good history. What does it have to do with me, Anthony? Here, here's what it has to do with you. Some of you here, during the pandemic, this so we're real practical hit home, some of you here have lost your normal access to provision. Some of you lost your job. Some of you with child care. It's been a nightmare. Some of you with different problems, situation, housing, all kinds of stuff have assailed you out of nowhere in the last two and a half years. But I'm here to tell you something. God is building a tunnel. Do you hear me? God is building a tunnel where there seems to be no way for you. God is building an access way to a sustainment source that you don't know about yet. If you would just hold on, cling to God, and trust that he will provide for you in the midst of it all, he will. But it requires you to be humble, like King Hezekiah, admitting you have no other choice but to trust, to trust God. And you can have confidence standing that God will provide a way and build a tunnel for you in your life. Amen? I know some of you need to hear that. God is making a way. He's building a tunnel. Last thing I want to talk about. This is going to be a a fun one. It's going to take a quick minute. Hope you guys are ready. It's it's been pretty good so far. But the third thing is God is our protector. God is our protector. Okay, so verses 8 to 11 to the end. Can you see in verse 8 that he talks about desolations? Right, so see the works of the Lord like this angel. Wipes out all these dudes. Right, that's pretty odd. That should bring awe to your mind to just think about that. That God has that power and far greater than that. But I want you to see verse... Verse 9, he makes war cease. So this is a promise that one day there will be no more war upon the earth. Do you hear me? Some of you need to hear that. Because right now there's war in many places upon our earth. But the promise is one day there won't be when Jesus rules and reigns. That's a good promise, amen? Amen. The other thing is, I want you to notice the bow. So I want to tell you a little bit of a story. So when I was a kid... (coughs) I lived with my Nana, Pappy, for a time in foster care. Great people, and my Pappy was an avid hunter. He was a rifle instructor. He was like a man's man out in the woods. Well, he decided to teach me how to shoot bow. And my brother. We had a competition. I was always better. So Jamie, I'm better than you. No, just kidding. (laughs) He's actually better than me now, because I haven't practiced. Uh, He still has like like five bows. Um, But like, yeah, so. We would shoot and it's the recurve bow so not the pulley kind that's that's like the chicken way out because you get to hold it forever this is like (laughs) instinct type of shooting well i used to do that well my brother and i wise 17 year old self and 16 year old brother decided we had a great idea can you imagine what we did how high can an arrow fly that's an awesome idea for a 17 year old it was amazing so so my brother and i went like this we were like like, look and he's like, Hi. He's like I, don't, I don't know, I don't see. He's like, I don't see, you see? I don't see, we don't see. And so for like, a couple of seconds, like we're trying to look for it. And then, you know, we got no science, the law of gravity?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I done forgot that, and then I remembered it in that moment. And the arrow has to come down, and we don't see where it's coming. So my brother and I freaked out. We're like, ah! So we ran to a tree, and we're like, oh, I'm in the tree, like, please don't kill me, please don't kill me, right? Like, this thing could kill you, even if it's a training tip, but coming up from like 100, like, it could kill you. And so, uh, Pappy, I'm confessing, um, Nana, but, uh, I, n- I never told them, <laughs> so it's first, the first confession to come out, so we got to confess Nick. Uh, we never found that arrow, and so we kind of fibbed, lied, told it falsehood, and said that the arrow went somewhere else, and then we just missed the target and lost in the woods. Well, we did lose it in the woods, and we did miss the target, so that's true, but we did it badly, okay? <laughs> so, so the point is, is that even in verse one, sometimes troubles that God will help you with are things that you shoot yourself that weeks later, months later, years later it comes back to bite ya. God can still protect you from those. Sometimes he doesn't, because sometimes, well, you just done did bad. But other times God's like, yeah, I will show mercy and grace if you would just call out to me. And he will prevent certain things in your life if you would just do that. The other thing I want to show you about the bow, that's really fun. some military guy. Okay, how many of you guys love military people?
0: Huh. Woo! Yeah,
1: let's go. So former army guy, love to play with guns, grenades, all that stuff. Well, when I notice a bow, I'm like, yeah, we need to fight. Let's fight. Well, the thing about a bow is it uses the time warfare is long distance, right? So it's not close combat. It's long distance. So it's, a, it's shot at you, and you're just walking down. Bam! You just get hit with it. So right here, it's those types of troubles in your life that come out of nowhere. Those types of things that the enemy has shot at you, right? The Bible says he shoots fiery darts or fiery arrows at you. That you're just walking, ate my Cheerios this morning, driving to work, and then Boom! Smacked out of nowhere, that is this type of trouble. That is this type of trouble. Okay, and it's the one that hits you to the core, where it pierces in and you're like, oh, and really knocks you over, especially for the whole day. That's a hard trouble. You, you get what I'm saying? What does God say about it in the scripture? He breaks, shatters the bow. This is a promise, guys. Do you hear me? And it's not just prophetically in the future that he'll do that to all weapons, but he can do that today for you in your trial when you have been shot and discouraged. You can choose in that moment, am I going to trust in the Lord or am I going to choose to wallow in discouragement? You have a choice. Do you hear me? So just because something is unpredicted and happens in your life does not mean God can't protect you, sustain you, or help you through it. He will. You just need to call out to him. Got to make that a powder. Second thing I want to point out to you is the spears. Right? So I love medieval history. Those guys with po- pokey sticks, stab, stab, stab. I love those movies, Braveheart. Come on. Yeah, right. yeah let's get those pokey sticks and stab people. Right, so I love that stuff. Right? So this is the type of spear. And the enemy, the enemy is coming out with you, but it's close quarters combat. It's for dear life. He is sucking the life out of you because he stabbed you and he's holding it in for weeks and months and years. It's a type of trouble that you can't get out of. It's a type of trouble that takes all of your strength just to get out of bed that morning. Have you ever been in a season like that? That is that type of trouble that is up close and personal, daily contact with the enemy, all out warfare. What does the Bible say about it? He cuts them into pieces. God can take that trouble away. You hear me? He cuts up the spears. He shatters them completely. Not just in the future prophetic word. This is a today word. If we would call out to him, he could become that for you. Third thing I want you to see is the wagon or the chariots. So that those ones that have like little spikes on. Have you seen Ben Hur? Like, and get you. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, also, it's used to transport things. So it's not just a chariot to fight, but they're not actually transport goods. So this is the enemy taking more arrows and more spears, loading it on a cart, and planning for a future day where he's going to harm you with them. What does the Lord say? Burn the chariot. He burns them away. <laughs> Guys, you know how many times God has protected you and you're not aware of it? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever looked back and be like, thank you, Jesus, I did not make that decision. Yeah, he does that all the time, every day. Yes. Every day in ways that you can't even imagine or see or understand. If you're his, he protects you, even from trouble to come. That's amazing. That's amazing. So what's the point? That you can have a confident trust in God, confident trust in God, when you Run to him for safety, strength, and encouragement. Now the last thing I want to share with you is the Hebrew word Adonai Sabaoth. you can put it up on the screen? We sang a song about the Lord of hosts, or armies. This is where I get a little excited. Okay, I hope you're ready. I'm going to put this down. we, we, we got a word from the Lord here. Yeah, this for a second, because I need to concentrate. So Adonai Sabaoth. You guys know that Adonai is a Hebrew word. Okay? It comes from the word Adon, which is Lord. And so when we attribute it to God, we say Adonai. right, so my Lord, Lord. And then Savaot, which is that second little word with the crazy Y, little backwards, upside down end thing. Right, right, go over that way. That is Savaot. Can you say that with me? Savaot. Savaot, which is the word for like warfare, armies, or hosts. So in other words, God, the Lord of hosts. I described one angel for you today. Can you imagine God has what? Myriads and myriads and myriads of angels. Do you not understand how much he loves you and he wants to protect you and guide you and lead you? Church, do you hear me? Psalm 46 isn't just back then or for the future fulfillment. It is for today, right now. Right now, you can cling to those promises that God is an azer, he is a helper. You cling to the promises that he'll sustain you, make a way out of nowhere, a tunnel out of nowhere to give you sustainment and that he'll protect you the whole time. Yeah. Do you understand me? It doesn't mean that things won't happen to you. You won't suffer, or have trials or tribulations, but it does mean God will intervene on your behalf. Would you rather have God intervene on your behalf and still go through something than not? right? Verse 10. This is where it gets powerful. Verse 10. It says, stop fighting or be still and know that I am God. He's talking to your enemy. This is God stepping in. And God Almighty is saying that to your enemy, to the devil. God Almighty is saying that to the world system that has oriented itself in opposition to the Lordship of Christ. And ultimately, God is saying that to the flesh to the sin that you fight every day, every day. He is fighting for you. Do you understand this is the God that we serve? Fighting for you because he loves you, cares for you. He wants you to become like his son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, in Jesus' ministry, he walked by the pool of Siloam. You know that? So it actually was a pool at that time. They made more renovations. And Jesus goes up to a blind man does some thing with his eyes. Say, okay, go, go wash in the pool and be healed. Turned out, turned to a crazy controversy, <laughs> like yours, <laughs> and uh, this guy got healed. So the question is, Jesus is asking you, do you want to be healed today? Do you want to be delivered today? Are you willing to humble yourself and ask for help today? Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to acknowledge God as your sustainer, not you and what you do? Are you willing to acknowledge that all things come from the Lord? That's a challenge for us today is are you willing to put your whole hope, trust, and confidence in the Lord Almighty, the Lord of hosts, Adonai Tzavahot, our sustainer, our helper? And so when you read this psalm, it should be of a great encouragement, no matter what season you're in, whether you just got out of a trial and trouble, whether you're about to head into one head first, or whether you're in the middle of it for years. God is still your refuge, your source of strength and comfort. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so... Practically, as we're as wrapping up here, practically, we're come up. Um, we're going to have some people over here at the end of service, right here. We're going to pray. I'm serious about this. If you're wrestling through something, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit has brought something up, please, don't leave this place until you do some business with the Lord. Okay? You can do it on your own, but it's far more impactful if we do it together as a community. Okay? So be some people that are praying for you. And second thing. If you don't know this God that I just described, it sounds pretty awesome. So for you, I want you to come to Jesus. That's really the plea is to repent and put your faith in this God. Not just for all the benefits, but so you can know him. And that's eternal life. And how you do that is by turning from your sin and placing your hope and faith and trust in him. Okay? So that's the challenge for today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Yes. How about that word? Come on now, give Jesus a hand clap. Now what we're gonna do is we're gonna go back into worship now for those of you who are new with us. But in the middle of worship, we're also gonna have a moment of communion where we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you have not yet gotten one of the communion cups, there is a basket coming around. And if you would take one of those communion cups, pay attention during worship. We're going to celebrate it after the first song. Okay?